Yeah, I got it. Thank you, band. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Andy or Greg, whoever said that. It's great to be here with all of you, and praise the Lord for holding off the rain. We were in for uh, some storms all week, but he's held it off. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are cruising right along with our Summer Stories series this morning. Although before we get into it, I realize Greg just prayed for us, but I wouldn't feel right opening up God's word for everyone without praying first. So let's come before Lord in prayer once more. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the sunshine and for holding off the rain. Thank you for this time that we can all come together uh, to meet. Lord, thank you for your word and for the fact that we can uh, know you and know you intimately. Lord, thank you that you know us. Lord, I just pray that you would remove me. Anything you don't want me to say, I pray I would forget. Anything you want me to say, I pray uh, you would speak through me, uh, that your word would come to life this morning, and that uh, you would speak to all of us and transform our hearts this morning, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> all right. We have been going through... Uh, the stories about the time after Exodus. Do I need to speak a little bit quieter, maybe? So if you recall from last summer, we began talking about Exodus when God called his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. They traveled through the parted Red Sea, and they came to Mount Sinai, where the stories we've been talking about the past couple weeks have been taking place. Two weeks ago, uh, Tim taught us about Moses and Aaron's golden calf and the dark, tragic history of decaf. And last week he taught us about how God executed some uh, swift but also merciful justice on Israel and some wicked things that were going on in the camp after the golden calf incident. And by the way, I realize the quality of the decaf joke. But earlier this week, as I was prepping for this message, I found something called uh, Dad Jokes Decaf. And I think somebody needs to buy it for Tim because I don't want that joke to die. And maybe y'all don't even remember that joke. Maybe it's just me and I need to get over it. But either way, I think somebody needs to get it for him. This morning, we are in Numbers chapter 12. If you've been paying really close attention, you might be wondering, why are we not going through Leviticus at all? Real quick, okay, the end of Exodus, God tells the Israelites to start building the tabernacle, the tent, and all that. And Leviticus talks quite a bit about that. It records the law and talks about God's holiness and the need for personal holiness in his people. And Numbers, the book that we're in now, mainly focuses on the journey from Mount Sinai to the promised land. And so in Numbers chapter 10, the Israelites finally turn over a new leaf and they finally start making their way at the Lord's direction to the promised land. So we're in Numbers chapter 12. And as much as I just explained Numbers, our story this morning actually has almost nothing to do with the Israelites traveling towards the promised land. The story this morning is one about family strife. It's a story about pettiness and pride 
and punishment. So, Numbers chapter 12. There are 16 verses. We're going to go through all of them. But I want to start just with the first three for now. Also, I realize not everyone uh, reads this translation. I like the ESV. And if you're using version, if you use Blue Water's link, that's what is up there. All right. Miriam and Aaron. If you recall Miriam and Aaron real quick, Moses' brother and sister. Miriam is a prophetess. Aaron is Israel's high priest. So the story goes, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman who he had married, for he married Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed only spoken through Moses? Aaron, has he not also spoken through us? And the Lord heard them. And then strangely, verse 3 throws in, now, man, now the man Moses was very meek. Your translation may say humble. The most meek or the most humble of all the people who are on the face of the earth. Let's pause quickly for a moment because there's a few preliminary notes I would like to make before we continue. The first thing, if you woke up this morning and you had your coffee and you said to whoever was with you, hey, I really hope Brandon comes and talks to us about something kind of insignificant and just talks our ear off all morning. If you were hoping for that, I can't do that right now, I don't have time, but come after and I will explain uh, what I read this week about the Cushite woman. Um, for the purposes of our story this morning, the Cushite woman is most likely, according to most credible Bible scholars, Moses' wife who he got remarried to after Zipporah passed away. The Bible stops talking about Zipporah, and it only ever speaks of his wife in the singular, so it doesn't talk about Moses ever having more than one wife. And so, because Moses is 80 or 90 years old by this time, it's most likely that Zipporah passed on and he got remarried, which is why Miriam and Aaron are complaining about his wife, because after 40 or so years of marriage, they wouldn't be complaining about Zipporah. The other note is that Miriam's name occurs first here, which didn't happen at this time. Women's names weren't recorded first in written format like this at this point in history, unless it was for something specific. So based on that, and based on what we know of Aaron and the rest of the story, it seems safe to assume that Miriam went to Aaron and was being petty and griping pettily about Moses' wife. And she's saying to her brother Aaron, hey, Moses is really irritating me. This new wife, I don't like her very much. And Aaron, who tends to just go along to get along, doesn't really stand up for himself or much. It seems like he just went along and started being petty with her. And they are being petty because Cushite is Hebrew. The, the Hebrew word for Cushite can also mean Ethiopian. So it sounds like Miriam and Aaron are being petty about this woman's color of skin or ethnicity or something. It could be referring to her skin tone because she worked outside, was a shepherdess, or it could be referring to her actually being Ethiopian. But regardless, they're being petty in the first verse. But in the second verse, Miriam says to Aaron, has God 
also not worked through us? Is Moses the only one who the Lord speaks through? She begins by complaining and griping pettily in verse 1, but ends up griping seriously. She starts out by complaining about Moses' relationship and ends up complaining about his leadership. She was being petty, and then she gets serious. And it's funny because that's usually how it goes with us, too. Is it not? When we start being critical and nitpicky, we start being petty. It really reveals some element of bitterness or resentment or pride that we've bottled up and stuffed down deep inside. It seems to be the case with Miriam, as it is often the case with us. So they start by being petty, and then they get serious about Moses' leadership. And then this brings us to the strange verse 3. The man Moses was very meek or very humble, more than all of those who were on the face of the earth. It sounds, oddly enough, like Moses is giving himself a humble award. I mean, Moses is credited with writing this book, the first five books of the Bible. But I don't think that it actually is out of place, as much as it seems like it. Jesus himself said of himself, I am meek and lowly of heart. Would we accuse Jesus of being prideful? I think Moses, like Jesus did there, is including something that is a fact that's pertinent to the story. Now, quick note on meekness and humility. Okay, humility is internal. Humility is an internal disposition. Humility is not thinking too much about oneself, either in a negative or a positive way. That's humility. Meekness is different. Meekness is external, and it means strength under control. The Hebrew word here is anva, and it can be translated as meekness or humility. Meekness uh, describes somebody who has gained strength through affliction and through trial, and then learns to use that strength without undue harshness. So, this verse seems a bit out of place, but I think it's here because it's saying that Miriam and Aaron's charges against Moses won't hold up. They seem to be accusing him of pride and arrogance. Moses acts all puffed up, like he's the big man here, and like he's the only one that God works through. But, Aaron, you're the high priest, I'm a prophetess. He surely works through us as well. They're charging Moses with pride. But just because one is accused of arrogance doesn't automatically mean they're guilty. So, they start by being petty, then they're serious about his leadership, but Moses is meek and humble. So, where does this bring us? What happens with their charges? Let's pick it back up in verse 4. The story goes, And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. 
And the three of them came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I speak to him in a vision or a dream. I make myself known to him. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Miriam and Aaron learn a valuable lesson this day that we would all be wise to take to heart. It's that the Lord is intimately involved. The Lord heard it. The Lord heard what they said. He was intimately involved. And then when he heard what they said, he made his involvement known. God is everywhere. The big word is omnipresent, present in all places. At the same time, he hears what we say. This is something that's been challenging me this week as I've been uh, meditating on this passage. So God was intimately involved, and he answers their questions. He says to Aaron and Miriam, you ask what makes Moses so special, I will tell you what makes Moses so special. He is my servant, I chose him, and he is faithful in all my house. I speak with him clearly, not in riddles, we speak face to face, and he, be, he has beheld my form. It's different today, but in this day, for one to critique and criticize and nitpick God's prophet was to indirectly critique and criticize God and his judgment for picking that prophet. Really quick, another side note that we don't have time for, but it would be remiss of me to not mention this. This is not the case today, okay? If somebody says, you know, some, somebody in church leadership is acting out, walking in sin and in darkness, and not living or leading the way they should be, and you bring it up to them because it's a legitimate and serious concern, and they say, touch not the Lord's anointed, okay? That is not... The application of that verse, it's not even what that verse meant in that day. That verse is talking about God's people, his anointed people, not being wiped out by their enemies. And the New Testament speaks of everyone who is in Christ, all true believers, being anointed by the Holy Spirit. If you get hit by that verse, run and run fast. We use the principle of Matthew 18 now. One uh, method, I guess, of confronting. Okay, so Miriam criticizes Moses' authority and indirectly criticizes God's authority. So God is angry. What happens next? Verses 10 to 16 say, when the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam and saw that she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, note this, O my Lord, lowercase l, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, uppercase L, O oh God, please heal her, 
please. There's some desperation in his voice. Please is recorded twice. But the Lord said to Moses, and this is another strange verse. If her father but had spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside of the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought back in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move forward with their journey while she was out. And after that, the people set out. There's a strange contrast here. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses is up on top of the mountain with God receiving the law from him and he comes down after beholding the Lord's form. He hides behind a rock and the Lord passes by because he can't see his face. His glory will kill him. And Moses, when he comes down, he descends off the mountain, comes to the people. They're blinded and they say, Moses, cover your face with a veil because his face is too bright with the Lord's glory. He's been close to God. But in this story, Miriam now needs a veil for her face, but because of her shame. While Moses needed a veil because of his closeness to God, Miriam needs one because of her shame. God let her live for seven days with the inward ugliness and sin of her heart on full display on her face for all to see. It's interesting because she was prideful and this is what happens. Closeness to God and closeness to sin have observable effects on us. And sometimes it's immediate and sometimes it takes a while. We reap what we sow. But both have effects on us and both are observable. The spitting in the face verse is kind of weird and gross. And another one like, oh, why is that in there? All it's saying is that if that had happened and her father had done that to her, that's a very shameful thing. And because of the amount of shame, she would have to be cast out for seven days, and then she would be let back in again. And all the Lord is saying here is that Miriam has done a shameful thing by criticizing your authority that I invested into you and criticizing God. So because of that shameful act, they're the same. She has to be cast out for seven days. And there is a weird irony in verse 11. I mentioned it while we were reading, but did you catch it? Verse 11. And Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, lowercase l, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and sinned. At the beginning of the story, Aaron, with Miriam, is elevating himself above Moses. But now he comes before Moses, presumably on his knees, he's lowering himself, and he says, Moses, you're my authority, please forgive me for my sin. All of us, at times, are like Miriam and like Aaron. There's a New Testament passage. You don't have to flip there, turn there, scroll there, or whatever. It's Galatians 5, 26. Paul says, let us not become conceited, proud, prideful, narcissistic, you know, puffed up, self-focused. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. I mentioned at the beginning that this story is about pride and punishment. 
Miriam is punished for her pride because Miriam is both provoking and envying. Another way of saying this is that Miriam has a superiority complex and an inferiority complex because pride comes in both, as we just read in Galatians. Miriam feels superior to the other Israelites. She's saying, well, I'm a prophetess. God speaks through me. You know, I'm, I'm kind of up there in the ranks with the elite. A lot of the Israelites are not. So she is puffed up, elated, and she has a superiority complex, but she also has an inferiority complex. She sees Moses, the way that God is blessing him and using him, and she feels inferior to him, and she just can't get over it. She can't just thank the Lord for the good things that he has given her. She can't just thank the Lord for how he has worked. You know, she can't think about the Lord or about Moses or the other Israelites. She suffers from a superiority complex and an inferiority complex. And all of us at times are like Miriam here. During my time at Heritage, I picked up one of uh, the best ways that I've so far discovered uh, to deal with pride or just generally deal with interpersonal conflicts as we read about in this story. It's five things. Five things that happen in our head and in our hearts when we become conceited and prideful. Rather, it's four things that happen and one that needs to happen. Okay? It's the four Ds. When we become prideful, when we become conceited and narcissistic, we're only thinking about ourselves. Because remember, humility is not thinking about ourselves too much in either a positive or negative way. So, four things that happen when we start to think about ourselves too much. The first one is I desire. I desire something of my affection, something I want. I desire. The second thing is I demand. I desire something of my affection. I demand that thing because I feel like I'm owed it. I feel like I deserve it. Either because I'm so great or life has been so unfair to me and it's my turn now. I desire. I demand. Here's the third thing. I dislike anyone or anything that's going to stand between me and the object of my affection. I desire, I demand, I dislike, and here's the fourth thing that happens in our head and in our heart when we become prideful and when we're only thinking about ourselves. I destroy. I destroy whoever or whatever I have to in order to get the thing that I desire. This isn't even just my thoughts or a professor I had. Uh, James chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 talk about this a little bit. James writes, What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? Listen, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You destroy. I desire, I demand, I dislike, and I destroy. Maybe it's a coworker. You know, you, you desire the recognition or the promotion, and the coworker is destroyed by slander. You know, rumors start about them, 
and seeds are sown saying that they're not actually all that great and worthy of the promotion. Maybe it's a talented friend. And listen, as we're going through this, I've done all of these. This message, this text has been especially convicting, you know? Miriam and Aaron, it's very likely that they were talking behind closed doors to the, amongst themselves and the Lord heard it. And it's not just about what we say in public or in groups, but also behind closed doors. And I know that I'm guilty of it. But maybe the destruction happens to a talented friend. You know, you destroy them with pettiness as Miriam and Aaron did to their brother here. Maybe it's spouse and kids. You know, you've been working hard, slaving away at work, and then coming home doing the dishes and cooking and everything, and then, you know, you just want some downtime, finally. And you end up destroying spouse or kids or whoever, you know, by a careless word or bad attitude. I desire, I demand, I dislike, I destroy. Here is the antidote now to the four things that happen. I must die. I must die to myself daily. You know, that coworker, I don't need to think just about myself and what I want. You know, it's in their best interest. You know, I can be thankful to the Lord for what he's given me. I must die to myself and let go of that desire. I desire, I demand, I dislike, I destroy, I must die. We are all at times like Miriam, prideful either by superiority or inferiority. And as we wrap up, all of us at times are like Aaron here. All of us at times, like Aaron, have sin, whether we recognize it or not. And we have to go before the Lord humbly and say, Lord, please forgive me. You know, don't hold it against me, my sin and foolishness. That's how I've been acting. I need forgiveness. Aaron goes to Moses because Moses is, at this point, the intermediary between God and men. But he's also the one that Aaron sinned against. But it's different for us. For us, Jesus is the perfect and eternal mediator between God and men. We have him nowadays. And when we sin, it's actually against him. We do sin against each other, but it's first and foremost against him. And all of us at times, you know, when we are first saved and after, have to go humbly and say, Lord, I have sinned. If you have never done this, if you have never made the decision to come in prayer before the Lord and say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I am a sinner. May today be the day. Don't wait and end up like Miriam. And listen, this is not condescension. It's pleading. It's pleading. Don't end up like Miriam, who had to be shut out for seven days because the true but unfortunate reality is this. <clears throat> and it's the same thing that Jesus himself and he taught his apostles to preach. It was that the shutting out from the camp will be a lot longer than seven days. And it won't just be in the wilderness, but it'll be in a very real place. A very real place called hell that we don't like to talk about. If you've never made this decision, but you're feeling it now, that you have sin that needs to be confessed, 
May today be the day. Just pray to the Lord. If you want to come talk after, come talk after to a friend or family member who is here today, someone on staff, but you can pray. Lord, I have sinned. Jesus and the apostles taught, repent and believe. Turn away from the things that you have to confess to the Lord and believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that he was the son of God and he came down from heaven, was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life and died a sinner's death on a cross in our place for us. And he rose three days later, defeating sin and the grave forever. If you have never done this before, or if you've been going through a period of wandering and you need to come back, may today be the day. You can experience eternal life. Eternal life is not just you know, some future quantity, some future amount of years unending. No, eternity is also a state of being. It's actually primarily a state of being. So it means also a present quality of life, a new life, walking daily with the Lord. We all at times are like Miriam, becoming puffed up or suffering from an inferiority complex May we remember the five Ds. I desire, I demand, I dislike, I destroy. May we remember daily to die to ourselves and to not become conceited. And if we need to today, may we go before the Lord humbly and ask for forgiveness. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that enables us to live new lives, and to remember to not become conceited. Lord, I pray that you would help us this week to watch what we say, even behind closed doors. And Lord, would your Holy Spirit help us to think of you and worship you and think of others before ourselves, to not think about ourselves too much. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us that we would ask you for forgiveness and repent. Lord, be with us this week and today as we go forward. Thank you again for holding off the rain. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, you are loved. Hope you guys have a great day.